first time mysteriously shut down, much like, uh, uh, Umar Johnson, Dr. Umar Johnson, whenever we try and speak truth, yeah. um, to, to power, um, <laughs> mysterious technological factors get in the way. Um, we are putting in back. the work. We're putting um, in the work. Exactly, exactly. Welcome back, it's your Juno, um, and we're back with a, a, well, it depends. A if revision, shall episode, we say. If you're, if you're Christian, uh, a Hanukkah episode. If you're Jewish, if you're Zoroastrian, I forget what you guys. We're just, think, but... we're just gonna, we're just gonna, like, you know, do political correctness and say it's the holidays. And Happy holidays. I think if you listen, if you listen closely Woo. enough, you can hear Dennis Prager actually seething. By the way, Malcolm, I have not forgiven you for signing up my personal email <laughs> to the PragerU newsletter, and I can't figure yeah. out how to fucking unsubscribe from it. So this is a public callout for Malcolm signing me up for the PragerU newsletter. Yeah, I may have done that. I you the, you can't unsubscribe. I I can't figure out how. Out. I mean, I I'll, there, I'll, there I'll probably is, but how. like. Anyway, this is a public call out. But yeah, if you listen closely enough, we're calling it our holiday episode just specifically to make Dennis Prager angry because, Mm -hmm. you know, we we are funded by different big money than he is. 
Yeah, he, so Declan gets Soros money, and I get money from... from yeah. Putin. Mm. And he, well, you so know, today... he's not cool enough for that. He only gets the boring American oil money. Yeah, so we, uh, we've got some people for you today. Uh, our favorite guests, and Finally. your favorite guests, uh, have returned. So welcome back to Sawyer and Tasha. It's good to be um, here. And so, yeah, so Sawyer, if you, uh, remember, has been in two episodes... I forget. I know one of them was about uh, was one of the space face episodes. I forget what the other one. Oh, the other one was with Tasha as well. It was about yeah. hexing the moon. It, it was when I. It was when I was gone. So this is yeah, the first time so that all four Sawyer, of us have been here. Sawyer is here for when we talk about Italians, because he is, uh, you know, a member of the Italian diaspora, first to America, then to Canada, and so he can, uh, well, say racist things that we can't for Italian. Yeah, I can basically verify all the stereotypical yet based on absolute truth things about my people. Stop, stop, stop. What are you wearing right now, sir? Oh, oh, well, you see, I'm Oh, is it, is it that kind of podcast? Uh, <laughs> well, actually, you see, so uh, when, wherever I go, okay. it becomes a phone sex operation. That's just kind of how it is. Uh, but right now, I'm wearing a straight-up, from-off-the-boat, designer Italian wife beater, gold chain, and got my hair slicked back. So I'm ready, I'm ready to go. I got the real Paisano fit on. We're, we're going to go straight into How you it. Doing? Oh, yeah, we got the Tony Soprano sort of bada-boop beep look over here. Bada-bing, bada-boom, I'm sleeping yet. Okay, and then we have Tasha, who is here to prove that A, we are not misogynists, and B, we are not racist against indie girls. So, yeah. welcome, Tasha. Here um, to represent all the Mitski listeners, the female manipulators. I imagine you're wearing a band tee right now. Are you wearing a band tee? I am. I'm wearing my Phoebe Bridgers shirt and um, a what a grommet belt or whatever it's called. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and some jeans. Nice. Because you know what? This, where does it work? They, they say we're not a diverse podcast. Well, you know what? We got indie girls and Italians, which are the two main cultural forces in North America. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, this podcast is a safe space for indie girls. You guys rock. Indie boys, fuck you. Yes, thank you. Okay. Perfect. Idiot. So, um, if you remember one of our earlier episodes, please don't go back and listen to it. Um, we talked about a conspiracy at the heart of the Democratic Party centering around ice cream. And throw it out the window because we were wrong, okay? We talked about some of the occult. We talked about some, like, Epstein stuff. And we didn't even scratch the surface, okay? So... We're not going to talk about what we talked about back then. We're not even going to reference it today. Okay, we're just referencing it now to tell you that we're not going to reference it today. We're going to start from the beginning because so much more has been encountered. Okay, this isn't just about Epstein. Okay, this isn't just about, you know, uh, the occult. This is about Epstein. This is about the Mossad. This is about 9-11. Aliens. Rudy Giuliani. Uh, All equally powerful people. Exactly. (laughs) So... Disclaimer, some of this is satirical, okay? But a lot of it is fact. Now, 
Me saying... Good, not good, satirical, but you, you'll never know which one's which. You'll never know what it is. Much and like a good Wikipedia article. We are actually, exactly. we are doing election disinformation right now. Yeah, okay, so, speaking of, yeah, we want a special thank you to Sawyer. Um, so, uh, if you didn't know, we, we might have talked about it on our Twitter. Um, so I am funded by, because I'm like a, an information guy and I'm a researcher and stuff like that. Um, I'm funded by... Uh, President Putin of Russia, President Xi of China. I'm personal friends with, with Chairman Kim of North Korea. Declan is found, funded as a ship I, I really just get, like, the posting money from Soros. I'm, like, a... Like, yeah. I'm sort of a small-time disinformation guy. Like, I, I just make the posts. Malcolm... Or independent uh, misinformation. Yeah, I mean, we... We need to support these like grassroots disinformation movements because exactly, I think I think exactly. big disinformation is taking over, and I think we need to you know in this time of COVID really uh, support small businesses, and in this case uh, <laughs> that includes people who people who post incorrect things on the internet with malicious intent. Yeah, and so you know during the the November third election, you know I got to to fly around on on Xi's President Xi's private jet, you know hang out with Mr. Kim. He's a good friend of mine. Um, He's been playing a lot of Final Fantasy. He's really excited for Cyberpunk, by the way. Uh, there's your your news from North Korea. Uh, you know, Declan just didn't have those resources. Yeah. Have, so I want to give a special thank you to Sawyer for yeah, Sawyer... using his American citizenship to to get him into every voting station. Yeah. Uh, so in, in Michigan, Pennsylvania, all in Wisconsin. So I, I got I got to we didn't have enough time to hit up enough of Florida, which was kind of unfortunate. But you know, yeah. we figured it would it would keep all you folks watching the election coverage uh, on your toes, watching Biden lose Florida. But yeah. yeah, we managed to get. I think we got to Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Uh, we tried yeah. in Ohio, but I I, ran out of time. yeah, I had to make a pit stop because I had to use the bathroom. Yeah, so, so we didn't we didn't get to stations. we didn't get to vote at every single polling station. Although Sawyer did slide me, you know, because we, we just I'm not an American citizen, so I can't vote. But we obviously just went to every polling station with Sawyer's ID, and he was able to vote at yeah. every single. Um, at every that's single where we draw the line. If yeah. you're not a citizen, then you can't. You obviously can't vote. But if you are, just you know, go wild. Yeah, as many times as you want. Yeah, all you can eat, oh, as long as it's mail-in, though, because mail-in ballots the primo. Like, yeah, so so I think it's like it's like how people argue that you know the right to bear arms shall not be infringed it means that you can't place any restrictions on what type of guns people can own. The fact that you have a right to vote means that you can't place any restrictions on how many times people vote. Exactly. exactly. It's, it's actually, we are we are actually constitutionalists here. Yeah, uh, this we, is the originalist. <laughs> this is what Amy Coney, Coney Barrett would have wanted. Yep. I think I can fix her. I can fix her. I, 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 we can fix her. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyways. Uh-oh. So, Where's this let's, going, guys? Let's go back in time for a second, okay? Um, it's, what, August? And the Democratic primary is over. Yeah. Um, Sadly, you know, Bernie loses. As Bernie got as as, as Globe Twitter loves to remind any form of leftist, like especially ones that are interested in American politics, Bernie lost. Get over it. We are over it. We are over it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Bernie. You know, he the the primary is rigged. Obviously, as we all know, um, Bernie loses. Uh, Joe Biden wins, and Joe Biden releases his campaign spending okay and so a lot of this story is a, a story about how me personally i uh am smarter than people like joe biden people like 
specifically Joe uh, Biden. Specifically Joe Biden. I don't think that's very difficult. But yeah, I, yeah, I'm actually like Netanyahu. I am much better at posting than near attendant could ever hope to be. And well, I think... you're better as, as far as like doing the like research and stuff. I'm a brilliant researcher because I noticed something. Okay, I noticed an eleven thousand dollar furniture. Like, hmm, it must be an advertising in a state or something like that. And I looked. And the brand was Jenny's Splendid Ice, and I looked that up, and it's an ice cream brand. And I thought, what the, what the hell? Joe Biden is spending eleven thousand dollars in ice cream, and then I start to think. I thought, so the average donation size to Joe Biden's campaign is forty-one dollars, which means that two hundred and sixty-eight people donated to Joe Biden's campaign, and all of their money was spent on getting him ice cream. Which was a little bit weird at first, but then I, I started to think, and I started to think, and I thought back, wait a second. So, you know, back at the beginning of the lockdown, Nancy Pelosi went on James Corden. Uh, oh, Lord, that like a really fun group of people. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. I, I wish James Corden was still a Shakespearean actor. Um, and and, and I, I, I thought back, because I thought there was a controversy then, wasn't there? And I thought, yeah, there was. Because she had a $12,000 fridge, and in those fridge were $24 buckets of ice cream. These were like tiny pints that were 20 like a, There's a, a pint. It's $24 a pint, of, a pint ice cream of ice cream. And I thought, wait cream. a second. That was Jenny's Splendid Ice. And I thought, this is really weird. Okay. Why are these really like rich Democratic leaders spending so much money on ice cream? And what they want you to think, what the Democrats want you to think, is that it's just... Because either because they just like ice cream or that it's like a marketing thing for Joe. But no, it goes it's much, much deeper than that. But still, like, I didn't really realize. I thought, huh, what a weird... But, like, before Trump's first... The first Trump-Biden debate, you know, Trump said, oh, he's going to be on performance-enhancing drugs. He's going to have an earpiece in. So he, you know, Joe Biden posts a picture of his AirPods. Uh, and, 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 and he says, these are my, you know, this is my earpiece. And he posts a picture of a pint of ice cream and says, these are my performance-enhancing drugs. We'll get to why those are performance-enhancing drugs at the end. But at the brand, Jenny's Splendid Ice. At this point, I realize this is way past coincidence, okay? So Jenny's Splendid Ice is owned by a woman by the name of Jenny Britton Bauer, who is objectively like a Democratic operative. On her personal Twitter, she hardly ever tweets, and when she does, it's either about her ice cream brand or like pro-Biden stuff. And so I think this is really weird, and I start to look into Ms. Bauer herself. So, she sits on the board of the Wexner Foundation. You may recognize that name, and it's a good that you do. It's a big money group that, you know, functions to positively influence America's perception of Israel, and it finances various sketchy Israeli generals and politicians, as well as, you know, the uh, far more innocent goal of sponsorship of Jewish arts, charities, and leadership programs in America. So, you know, you, you do have to do some good to, to soften the bad, right? It's like, well, hey, you're giving money to the IDF so they can shoot Palestinian children. Yeah, but look, we gave this kid books so he can draw on them. Um, Paper. Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, this is a way for them to stay anonymous. Um, and, and Wexner does a lot worse than this. Um, but one thing I noticed was particularly curious is that all the people on the board of the Wexner Foundation are either, like, trust fund CEOs, bankers, investors, like, the type of people who, and, and members of the family and stuff, but, like, the, you know that, like, type of person who, who moves 
money around and doesn't contribute anything to society. You mean the You mean everybody everybody who yeah. lives one floor above me in my building all <laughs> their yeah. future career <laughs> prospects? Are we allowed to mention what university you go to? Uh, right I'd now? rather not. Yeah, I see where Tash is going. Look, makes sense. It, 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 I'll say this. It's, I guess it's a competitive program because you do grade 8 math for four years and then you make six figures moving other people's money around and speculating. Oh and it's a very stereotypically daddy's money school. So you get a lot of very entitled people who go into the commerce program here. Uh, oh, from what, my only knowledge is it's a lot of cocaine, but maybe I'm not. Yeah. To. Well, that actually tells you exactly what type of school. It is. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's very. It's a very bunch of Wolf of Wall Street people on the commerce floor. It's make um, of that what you will. It's the type of like cocaine is the, is a drug for people which is who, kick ass. Yes, this is true. <laughs> it's the type of drug for people who are white, played hockey for a while, and say bro. Okay, go to hell. <laughs> Fuck you. I, I, I realized what halfway through that was you. <laughs> Declan, do you have but something you would like to tell us? That's, no. You, that's not what I meant. Like, I think you all know the, the type. Like, sort of shoulder-length hair because they never bother to get it cut. They never wash it. Oh my god! Fuck you! <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, just because that was you. And your dad, <laughs> Twitter, now. which they use a lot. And they're very funny on their Twitter. Oh, I, I wouldn't go that far, but uh... no, no. See, this is what this is what distinguishes you from these people, Declan. One, it's that you're based, and two, it's that you're funny. I see. <laughs> Thank you. Um, based and funny pill. So yeah, um, it's like it's that type of person. But there's one odd person out. One person that probably shouldn't be there. Jenny Britton Bauer. Sure, she's the CEO of a company, but she's she's not you know, the CEO of a big company. She's the CEO of an artisanal ice cream brand. Um, you know, a company, sure, with low overheads and high profits, but <laughs> it's not exactly the type of, you know, it's not like working for a bank, it's not working for a trust fund. So I, I was really curious, like, why, why is she on this board? And we'll get back to that, okay? But I just, I want you to be really suspicious of this woman and this ice cream brand, specifically. But, let's talk about Les Wexner himself, okay? This guy is rich. And when I, I say rich, I don't mean, like... Like, I mean, this is one of the richest people in the world, okay? And he's friends with all of the rich people. Uh, and we'll talk about one specific uh, rich person who has since, unfortunately, uh, passed on to the next place. Who he was very, very close with, perhaps more than friends. Um, but another friend of his is, is Charles Bronfman. I'm sure you've heard the Bronfman name. I just I need you all to affirm that you've heard the Bronfman name. Um, I I have at some point. He sounds like a football player. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds kind of like a. a That's a, a very a, linebacker you know, name. Underground movie star. Yeah. Like There's a place here in Toronto called Bronfman Hall. They're they're oh. like. They, it's old, old money, the Bronfmans. Um, and so they founded this thing called the Mega Group, and we'll get back to them in a second. First but of all, what a what a cool name! It is a very cool like. Name. Hey, we we have a we have this dark money organization. What should we call it? How about something that sounds like it's out of a shitty like nineteen seventies sci fi novel? I was yeah. gonna say it sounds like what 
Uh, the name of the space foundation is in Wally. <laughs> Why am I? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Uh, another piece of the puzzle. Well, actually, if you like go to the bottom of my notes here, you will find Tasha that you hit the the, the nail right on the head. Um. So here's a little quote here. Okay. Here's a, a recurring character, someone who we, we greatly mourn the passing of, okay? <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> was basically a nobody until Victoria's Secret founder, Leslie Wexner, gave him tens of millions of dollars, the largest private residence in Manhattan, and all the other luxuries which were required to seduce politicians and the powerful into, well, making stupid decisions, we'll say. So, um, there are all sorts of reports that, like, on the down low, Epstein and Wexner were, like, Smashing. We're sucking and fucking. Sure. Okay, if you want to get that graphic, sure. Yeah, they were doing that. Um, this is unconfirmed. But whether or not they're in some sort of romantic relationship, um, the fact is that Les Wexner um, basically made Epstein, okay? Epstein had gotten fired from all his jobs. He, was got, he, he, didn't, he wasn't good at managing money. He wasn't good at, you know, being a, an assistant teacher. He tried to be... He was really buff. Um, but he didn't really have anything else going for him. And, and so, uh, like, Wexner finds, finds him and takes him under his wing. Um, and he builds him up, right? It's, it's like trading places or something like that, right? Um, and, and so, you know, regardless of their relationship, and, uh, they were close friends even, you know, up to and after Epstein was convicted, his first conviction, um, and, and this is really sauce, right? Like, obviously, Wexner, I'm actually not sure whether he's in the Black Book, but he was basically one of Epstein's closest friends. And so let's let's talk about his work, right? So, yes, he's the founder of Victoria's Secret, which is probably a great place to, for, you know, recruiting attractive women of the type of physique that Epstein likes into his island. But also, like, he's very rich. But but what he did beyond Victoria's Secret is, is yeah, this mega group thing. So the mega group is incredibly secretive. They meet twice a year for, on two-day sessions. Um, and they, uh, each member pays $30,000 a year for its upkeep, uh, simply for these meetings. They obviously invest a lot more money into its operations. They just, they, you know, they just, it's just like a boys weekend, you know? Like you know, you, you go up to the cottage or whatever, and you just you just hang out with the boys for the weekend. Hanging out with the boys, playing some golf. Look at each other for a little bit too long, yeah. and then glance away before it gets awkward. Yeah, glance away before it gets awkward. Play some golf. Run a pedophile ring. Get a couple ring. in you. Maybe exactly. Act on those glances and never speak about it again. Steal two hundred six pounds it. of enriched uranium from a United States company to send to Israel. You know, you know that type of thing. Guy stuff. <laughs> just guys stuff. So yeah, according to they actually didn't. They, the, the mega group was not involved in the Apollo. Someone else we, who we will talk about later was. Um, so yeah, there's only ever been one newspaper article written about the mega group. That's secretive, and it was from it was from the uh, the Wall Street Journal. Um, so the mega group was founded in 1991 by Wexner and Charles Bronfman to add uh, greater clout to the Israeli lobby by establishing an informal but all-powerful policy-making group able to deploy billions of dollars in quote-unquote charitable funds for the maximum effort on U.S. policy towards Israel, the Mideast, and other issues of paramount importance to the mega-billionaires. 
The mega group convenes twice a year for two-day sessions where behind closed doors the members make life and death decisions affecting U.S. policy. Membership is by invitation only. The meetings are secret. The Wall Street Journal was the only coverage to ever appear in the U.S. media about the existence of the mega group before the publication of this other report. The members each kick $30,000 in annual dues to cover uh, quote-unquote operating expenses for the twice yearly sessions. So this looks innocent enough, right? Like, obviously there are all sorts of weird dark money political operative groups uh, in the United States, and obviously a lot of them are pro-Israel. Look at IPAC, for example. Um, but the mega group is unique in their ties to the Mossad. Um, so the Mossad uh, is the Israeli intelligence service. Um, they're basically like the CIA, but on steroids, right? Like foreign assassinations, uh, they got it. Overthrowing governments, they got it. False flag terrorist attacks, they got it. So yeah, they basically yeah, cut their they, they pretty much did, um, oh my God, what, what's, I, I have this library of CIA ops in my head by their code names, but I'm forgetting whatever one where they Northwoods? wanted Northwoods? Northwoods. They did Northwoods. Yeah. They fucked so, it up. That because... was the Levon affair where they basically paid a bunch of Egyptian Jews to um, blow up a bunch of American and British like buildings and embassies and libraries and stuff. And then they would blame, blame it on, on blame, Egypt to start Blame a war. Egypt, communists, Muslims, whatever. And start a war. They, but um, because they were shit, because they are the bolder but shittier CIA. Yeah. And so they basically, they cut their teeth and got started by hunting down hidden Nazis. Um, Fair and enough. And, stuff, and killing them, which is really great. That's cool. That's fine. Um, and so, uh, you know, notably one of the people in charge of, by the way, the Apollo affair, which I'll get to, um, uh, which was, yeah, an Israeli Mossad operation to uh, use a front company uh, in the United States to get access to a bunch of enriched uranium steal it and send it back to Israel for their secret nuclear weapons program, uh, was uh, the head of the mission that, that killed Adolf Eichmann, who's one of the like highest ranking Nazis, probably the highest one who, who escaped and hit, um, and ended up being like a European fascist at the end of his life and like uh, supporting the German far right and the AFD and stuff like that, the alternative for Germany. Anyways, um, so... They are very effective. They're very scary. Probably one of the most effective um, of that type of, like, CIA sort of assassination missions. Um, and if this podcast never comes out, you know why. So, um... I mean, hey, the first recording got shut down. We don't know who did that. Yeah. Exactly. It was, they were just trying to stop it. It was a, it was a warning. They were trying to be simple. They're scared of us. <laughs> They're scared the of the power. Shot. It's, Next again, it's an actual gun. It's like Lauren yeah. Ashcraft said. Power to the podcasters, or mm. she didn't actually say that, but you know, we're, well, she kind we're, of said it. We're running some disinformation here. We can misquote people all we want. Exactly. Yeah, no, who knows if that was satire or the this truth? Is, this is this is us. This is us entirely sabot. By the way, this is us entirely sabotaging our chances at having another interview like that with someone as lovely as Lauren. Yes. This episode is us completely throwing that chance away. It's okay. <laughs> Listen. You had your time. Sometimes you just got to be committed but to Sometimes bed. you have a politician, like a real politician on the podcast, and... And sometimes you have an 18-year-old indie girl and... And an um, Italian. Fair. I swear. Exactly. Yeah. This is, you know, and... and you dim some, you lose some. You, yeah, and... <laughs> and so, you know, you gotta, you gotta switch up the environment to make different people comfortable. So... 
you know, yeah, with Lauren, you're, you know, being good interviewer, asking good questions, being really thoughtful, and with you guys, we're just fucking other around. stuff. I don't care. I don't. It's <laughs> other stuff. So, anyways, um, according to some retired Mossad spies, right, the Mega Group was basically financed through operations in the United States. Um, in 1997, there was an investigation into an Israeli mole in the highest levels of the Clinton administration. Um, oh, by the way, uh, Eric Swalwell, do you remember that guy, Declan? Vaguely, the name kind of rings a bell. He ran for president. Um, he ran for president this time around, moderate. Um, and he was a sort of high-ranking, uh, congressman, um, and he was the head of, like, Congressional Intel Committee and stuff like that, and he just got outed as, like, a Chinese spy. Very cool. Good for him. Incredible. Securing the bag. Um, (laughs) so, anyway, so, yeah, uh, according to former Mossad spies, the mega group, like, financed operations, including this one, to shut down investigations into a potential mole at the highest levels of the Clinton administration. Um, six years after their founding in 1997. So, um... According to to a, a post account in, in yeah January 1997, the NSA had intercepted a phone conversation between an Israeli official at the, the their embassy in Washington and Danny Atom, who was at the time the head of the Mossad. Um, and so this embassy official was asking permission from Yatom to supposedly to to like go to Mega in order to obtain a copy of a confidential letter. It had been sent by then U.S. Secretary of State Warren Christopher to the Palestinian Authority President Yasser Arafat concerning U.S. assurances about a recently negotiated agreement for an Israeli military withdrawal from the Hebron area in the West Bank. So Yatom, according to the NSA Intercept, rejected the request and admonished his agent. He says, this is not something we use mega for. Which I think is notable, first of all, that the Israeli embassy and, like, the entire Israeli government was, like, knows about the mega group and that they finance, uh, Mossad operations, um, and, and that, you know, they wanted to use the mega group to gain intelligence about how the U.S. was going to be friendly to Palestine. God, those were the days, weren't they? Um, and, uh... how casual he is. He's like, no, it's not something we just use our friends for. Yeah, like, they have a specific portfolio for the mega group. Well, you gotta Which, keep things organized. Well, you gotta keep things organized, but it's so... It's really messed up. It's really, really messed up. And I feel like if it was any other country in the world that did this, like, a Chinese student here to, to come to a Canadian university will say something like, congratulations on the 75th anniversary of victory in the Korean Chinese victory in the Korean War. And they'll get, like, entire newspaper articles written about it. And this shit, like actual American, like, not Israeli immigrants, but, like, American billionaires uh, working for the Mossad gets hardly any attention. I think it's, like, it's weird. Like, why does Israel get an exception? We'll get to that. Because, because they're, well, because they're the flagship of U.S. imperial interests in the Middle East, anyway. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. It could be that. It could be something else. It could be something surprisingly even more sinister than U.S. imperial Ice interests. cream. Something about it's ice cream. cream. It's something about ice cream. So I want to move on, and we'll get back to these guys. But um, there's this woman, really a nobody, uh, named Joyce Aline. Um, 
And she was uh, a DA. Um, she worked for MSNBC as a legal commentator. And she tweets. But she's, you know, she's got a platform, right? She's got power. And she tweets on Twitter. Uh, I'm ready for a president who understands the value of Jenny's ice cream with a little heart. Well, why nice, is nice little post. Nice little post, but... It's or important it? to know, like, why is this important? Well, because Jenny has the media, too. Mm. Not Jenny, per se. Like, I'm not alleging that Jenny is some sort of spider at the heart of this network. Right but now, that would but... be good for her. We do... It would be. I'd be really proud we, of her. We do, need, we do need more, like, you know... Girls rule. We need more girls and women in positions of, like, international hegemonic power. Tasha, how do you feel about this? I feel like we should do an investigation on why she spells her name with an I. Because she's white. My mom's name is Jenny, and it's with a Y. I okay, think it's I think that they should have never trusted her, and I think if she wants to really make it big, because obviously she hasn't yet, is what this podcast is saying. Definitely not. Um, then the they need to replace the I with a Y. But I feel like there's like a particular type of, of white that spells Jenny with a Y and a particular type of white that spells Jenny with a Y. I know. And in this case, the I stands for Israel, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The I could stand for Israel. It could stand for intelligence. I think it stands for ice cream. <laughs> it could. It could. It could. Jen so, ice cream, splen splendid ice. There we go. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So... Let's talk about some famous figures in the media for a second, okay? We're going to talk about Anderson Cooper, everyone's favorite gay dad on CNN. People find him attractive. Silver for some Fox, if I've ever seen one. Good lord! I was about to say people find him attractive for some reason. I mean, I'm not gay, but I would let that man pin me to a table. Let me tell you. I mean, those eyes—you need a map to get out of them. Good God! But I digress. Yeah, you I, do. I don't, even, I don't even know. Sawyer, what Sawyer you definitely digress. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what the proper response to that is, Sawyer. How Medication to... can help. Yes. So... We can cut it in post. We can cut it in post. Ask, ask your doctor about Jenny. If Jenny's splendid ice is right for you. Hmm. <laughs> Jenny's splendid ice is good for you if you are aging and need some extra time. Um. So, Anderson Cooper. Never got any formal training to be a journalist. And he never interned or apprenticed with a news company. He never wrote articles or anything like that. To be In fair, fact, to be fair, he is a Vanderbilt. Yeah. Like, yeah. when you come from that level of, you know, when you come from that level of old money, you don't need to do anything. You can just be what you want. <laughs> okay, but he did do something. You know what I know what he did? Jenny's he spent two years... Two years working for the CIA. Oh. And then he stopped working for the CIA. And he was hired by ABC with absolutely no... ABC, uh, not another weird intelligence agency, but American Broadcasting Corporation, with absolutely no formal journalism education and no on-the-job training. They just hired him. He just Maybe he really likes letters. This is true. Maybe. Maybe he just likes... Is he, is he like a letter gay? Like Tasha, you and I, like you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like he's in their letters, the LGBTQ. Exactly. Like there's always whenever I, I, 
talk to other gays, I always encounter someone who wants to put another letter on the end of LGBTQ+. Or LGBTQ2IA+, or whatever. There's always, there's always someone who wants to add another letter. And that letter is CIA. Yeah, LGBTQ, well, LGBT CIA. CIA is, is Pete Buttigieg, but we actually, we have to talk about Pete, but we'll get to it later. We need more CIA representation, I think. Okay, Tashi, you know what's really messed up? This what? is actually dialogue that is happening right now. Yeah. I don't like that. Like, how, how, how to work for the, the, the guy that sits, former general, sits, currently sits on the board of fucking Raytheon. <laughs> Is getting is probably getting picked for Department of Defense because oh well we need to uplift more black voices. Well, also the first Pentagon director to be a woman under Biden's administration. I I don't know. I haven't been paying much attention because I actually don't really care. <laughs> but uh, well, actually, I'm I'm gonna skip this little bit right now. I'm gonna move on to someone else first. Um, so, let's talk about Anderson Cooper's major foil, right? Like, if Anderson Cooper is a star of liberal journalism, or liberal cable TV, his counterpart, his, his enemy, his arch-nemesis, would be the star, naturally, of conservative cable TV, Tucker Carlson. I, what so I would not give for a boxing match between Anderson Cooper and Tucker Carlson. He would just end with them kissing. That would okay. I would love to watch watch that. I would pay to watch. I I would love that. I would be pay for the match. The lovers' story. Yeah. What he wants. Do you think Tasha Anderson Cooper dies and Tucker Carlson has to raise his kid? Tasha, I think this is your screenplay to write. (laughs) It's it's your time, Tasha. Creative writing. I should get him to do it for for class. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. That's solid. So. Yeah, so so let's talk about Tucker Carlson. So he actually, when he was young, also came from a company, tried to join the CIA, supposedly. But his application was was rejected, and he went into journalism. But this is a very common thing. Um, people, quote unquote, apply for the CIA, and then they get selected for some like super special secret program. So then they reject their applications, but they're like secretly accepted. Case in point: Pete Buttigieg. We said we get to him, we got to him. So, Pete Buttigieg was rejected by the CIA, but it's a known fact that he worked for U.S. intelligence in Afghanistan. Supposedly, they said he worked for naval intelligence, but last time I checked, Afghanistan was a very much landlocked country. Um, maybe they're trying to figure out how to get the boats there. <laughs> maybe <laughs> they maybe were they building just, a kiddie pool for the boats. Yeah, they just they just wanted like an aircraft carrier to see the world, and maybe helicarrier, Avengers. Oh my God, dude. You're, I'm soy facing so fucking hard right now. You're soy facing. Do you think the Avengers are real? Do you think this proves the Avengers are real? Yes, of course. Why else would a naval mm. intelligence officer be working in mm-hmm. Afghanistan if there wasn't a, a real life helicarrier? Exactly. So, or alternatively, he wasn't actually working naval intelligence. Another intelligence hint. In his office, he has a map of Afghanistan that tells you where all the minerals are. <laughs> So, That's so and, cool. and it's also known that when he was working for McKinsey, he did supposedly consulting work for the CIA. Um, the, cons- and, the consultancy industrial complex strikes again. Yes, and, and it's obviously well known among Torontonians that he collaborated with various economic firms to manipulate food markets here. Bread um, prices. Bread. He, he yes, fixed you remember bread the bread pricing? That was literally Pete Buttigieg. Like, he did that. Okay. 
<laughs> you paid a dollar more for bread every time. And of course, we would be remiss not to point out that Pete Buttigieg received max donations from a guy in Epstein's Black Book. So let's go back for a second. Let's talk about uh, the media. So on the 6th of July, 2003, the New York Times published an op-ed by former U.S. diplomat Joseph Wilson, which questioned the reasons given by President George W. Bush's administration for invading Iraq earlier in 2003. Wilson, who had been a CIA envoy to Niger in 2002, said Bush, sorry, Niger, uh, in, in 2002, said Bush's claim that Iraq had attempted to buy enriched uranium yellowcake a step towards enriched uranium, but not weapons grade yet, from Niger, was unsubstantiated. In response, Washington Post columnist Robert Novak wrote a column on July 14, 2003, criticizing Wilson and referring to Wilson's wife, Valerie Blame, as a quote-unquote agency operative, blowing her cover. So yes, uh, there are... This guy actually also didn't know that his wife was a CIA agent. Um, but her. there are people... That's like a, that's how? some fucking good opsec if you don't if you don't alert your own husband. I think there's a movie about that, isn't there? Like an Angelina Jolie movie. Mr. and Mrs. I, Smith. Yeah. One of, the spy, one of the spy. One of the one of the spy kids movies. Yeah, it's a good movie. <laughs> that movie's fire. Anyways, so the fact is that the intelligence community has long infiltrated American media. It probably goes back to like the McCarthy era. era. Um, and like this demands for ideological submission from the media, but uh, there is never any like. Right. Sorry. McCarthy. Yeah, he, he was, was like the, the. He sucked. He was just bad. Like I can't believe this guy went after Charlie Chaplin. Anyways, um, so yeah, like he. The the media is friends in America is friends with the the the, the these people. And, and of course, like, why why is this important, really? Well, it's because the media controls the flow of information in America and around the world. You know, frequently the media manufactures content um, to the benefit of the U.S. I think the most blatant example of this would obviously be when they got on the whole WMD thing uh, for in the lead-up to the Iraq war and pretended that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. The fact that... The poli sci textbook that I have to read for one of my courses does not mention this when talking about the influence of the media. It astounds me. It That's was really published weird. in 2016. That's really weird. It's it, it's incredible. Yeah, How, like it is the largest case of, you know, not to be one of those leftists because I've never actually read Manufacturing Consent by Noam Chomsky. I've outed myself here, but it is the the example that Noam Chomsky pointed to in order to highlight how the media can control public opinion yeah. was the Iraq war. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Iraq was, of course, a regional rival to Israel. Um, and after it collapsed, uh, the United States and Israel gave a billion dollars to the groups that would become ISIS. Uh, ice cream sisters in Syria. <laughs> Um, That's I, what it stands for. Yeah, yeah. Or either that, or the major financial back, the podcast Red Scare. Um, well, that doesn't really come out to ISIS when you abbreviate it. Now, does no, it? that doesn't. That would be the, <laughs> it's um, like buff, buff, uh, which doesn't it doesn't, doesn't really roll well. off the tongue as well. Yeah, not as phonetic. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's important to know that, that the media is completely in the hands of the elite. And, of course, as we are now proving, the elite is, to a certain extent, in the hands of the U.S. state apparatus and the Israeli state apparatus, of which Wexner and Epstein were agents. And and we'll get into a little bit more of the, the epstein Mossad connection. But let's, let's go back to Wexner. Um... Because he is on the board of this institute called the Aspen Institute, which is an important Anglo-American world federalist think tank. Um, world federalist, weird, 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 weird hypercast. Any stuff. any think tank, I, I do not trust. I don't care how on its side, on my side it is. I do what about not the trust the Broadband any... Institute. What about the Wellesley Institute? Uh, like there are there are good think tanks. There are, but they're far away by at worst, you know, horrible think tanks that are like, yeah, we actually need more bombs so that we can keep the economy going. And at, at best, a lot of them are simply, oh, well, we need to bring people out of poverty. And how are we going to do that? Uh, tax credits. I saw a book called The e- the Economic Case for LGBT Equality. That's so cool. I, I fucking hate economics. Oh, I... Would you be a leftist if you didn't? I saw a tweet that was like, replace the economy in any sentence with rich people's yacht money and see what it sounds like then. And yeah. it's like, yeah, like, helping COVID is important, but what's it going to do to rich people's yacht money? Yeah. I, as an economics major, let me tell you, this guy, uh, I was talking to him, was in one of my classes, he goes on this whole rant about how lockdowns aren't justified. He's like, yeah, people are going to die. And, you know, maybe a lot more people are going to die, but also the stock market. And I was like, oh, Lord. If you, if you like, referencing the stock market, like, you know, yeah. the, the general case to be made by people whose grift this is is that it's not necessarily the stock market, but it's that people's, like, actual businesses will suffer under the lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Right, but if you're just saying the stock market will go down, you'd have no fucking idea what you're talking about. I, as an able-bodied, wealthy white man, would happily lay down my life for the Dow. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sawyer, so you're an econ major, so I think you can confirm, right? Line yeah. goes down equals bad. Line goes up equals good, right? Yes, unless the graph is upside down. Unless the graph, and then there's right. that one specific one where... There's a line that curves up and the line that curves down, and when they meet, that's the perfect point. Yes, and anything else that happens to that is literally Hitler Satan trying to confuse the world. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's well when that doesn't happen, it's communism. Exactly. And that point exactly in the middle, you know what that point is? What? Jenny's ice cream. Oh <laughs> shit. That so the supply and demand economics of Jenny's ice cream has actually reached equilibrium, is what you're saying? Uh, yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. So That is what they teach us in economics now. Right, so it, it's... Are you taking intro to ice cream, or is it is it is that like a second, like third-year course? Like, where well, where do you learn well, about actually, the ice cream equilibrium? If you've watched Community, actually... Uh, yeah, you have to watch Community you'll 11 know times that to unlock Jake, your the third history eye. Of ice cream. Yeah, yeah, there you go, yeah, the history of ice cream. Okay, so that's what... NBC. Okay. Uh, so that yeah, no, oh, so so it all it all goes back to the media then is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There you go. Full circle. Guys, do you think Gambino's in on it? I, I I'm hoping that he's not. Like Chevy Chase definitely is, but like yeah. Chevy Chase started it. That man's been around since like dinosaurs. Big Bang. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's actually talk about. Well, we're going to talk about the stock market because 
there are some other really interesting members of the Aspen Institute. Um, Dick Cheney. Oh, Lord. Jeb Bush. Condoleezza Rice. And many other, uh, shall we say, 9-11 suspects who all gathered in the Aspen Institute shortly before 9-11. Now, let's talk about 9-11 for a second. So, I just want to bring up about six things. Um, six. Six things about 9-11. A handful. So the first... Here's a quote from Mindy Kleinberg from uh, a steering committee for, for victims. I think it's called the Family Steering Committee. She says, Never before on the Chicago Exchange were such large amounts of United and American Airlines traded. These investors netted a profit of at least $5 million after the September 11th attacks. Interestingly, the names of the investors remain undisclosed, and the $5 million remains unclaimed in the Chicago Exchange account. So, shortly before 9-11, in the days leading up to it, and the hours leading up to it, Everybody shorted airlines and insurance companies. Also, there were people who would have, like rich people, who would have meetings like every day um, in the, the World Trade Center who mysteriously canceled because I, I know one of them specifically said he forgot he had a dentist appointment or accidentally scheduled a dentist appointment on September 11th. Mm. Secondly, um, every year, and I'm, I'm, I, I specifically remember the ones that happened this year. Uh, NORADS, the North American Aerospace Defense, um, has these drills where they, you know, practice scrambling fighter jets to intercept bombers and everything. And so the vast majority of the American Air National Guard uh, and their, their Air Force and their Navy's Air Force and the Marines Air Force come up to Canada to practice intercepting bombers coming over the Arctic, Russian bombers. Um, and so it leaves America without many fighter jets. Now, usually these drills are in October and they happen every year they've happened in October, except for 2001, when they were inexplicably moved up to September, which means that on the September 11th attacks, there were almost no fighter jets to, to scramble in the entire continental United States. Another, inter another interesting thing is Donald Rumsfeld, who was the CIA director um, you know, in the Pentagon, uh, on the day that it was happening, you know, he had a morning briefing, and as it was happening, uh, his, uh, from the meeting notes, his, you know, the person who was briefing him, she kept saying, like, hey, there's this thing going on in New York, I don't know what's happening, but, you know, these two planes hit the Twin Towers, and we think it's an attack, um, can we talk about it? And he's like, no, 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 just go on, talk about which, you know, was going on right up until the Pentagon got hit. We're gonna talk about that in a second. Thirdly, no black boxes have ever been found from these planes. Of course, they, they should have survived those conditions because planes have black boxes have survived far worse, but they didn't. Which means that there's no, you know, recording data of flight parameters, uh, cockpit audio, or any of that. Um, now, yeah, back to the Pentagon. So there was a particular maneuver that that plane would have had to pull to hit the Pentagon in the way that it did, consistent with eyewitness accounts and camera footage. Um, and experienced airline pilots, none of them have ever been able to pull it off the first try. Now, the specific... Of course, the hijacker did pull it off first try. Yeah, I was gonna say, how many pilots have tried to fly into the Pentagon first try? Yeah. Um, no, but like in simulators. Oh. Um, you know, like you do. the hijacker you, did do it first try. You like, load up Microsoft Flight Sim 2020. <laughs> exactly, and exactly. you just... Straight into the Pentagon. 
I mean, that was it was a thing that happened after Microsoft Flight Sim was released. There was an article written about how people are like recreating it, recreating all the 9/11 attacks in Flight Sim like together. Oh my god, yeah. that's sick. People do. People would do that. That's weird. Um. Anyways, so uh, not only was that the case, but the specific pilot who was in charge of hijacking the plane that supposedly hit the Pentagon was the worst pilot out of all the hijackers and almost got his license taken away by the FAA several times because he literally could not even like a six-seater or four-seater single-engine prop plane. Never mind an entire, you know, two-jet engine, uh, several-hundred-ton passenger airliner. Um, and not only that, but the place that the Pentagon was hit was A, not important to their operation at all. It was all their, like, financial records and stuff like that. And B, the only place in the entire Pentagon that had protection for attacks by a plane. Weird coincidence. It's just odd. Fifth thing is that Flight 93, you know, the famous one that the passengers supposedly took over. There's almost no debris. If you look at the picture, there's almost no debris. There's some debris, but not, you know, major plane wreckage like most plane crashes. And the, the, the parameters of the plane crash were pretty normal, um, which would imply that it had somehow broken apart before it hit the ground, which is obviously not consistent with the main story um, and is, uh, well, indicative of the plane being hit by a missile. Now, why would they shoot the plane down and lie about it? Maybe if it was backup. Um, and finally, uh, some really so fun engineering facts. Uh, one... Video evidence of the towers collapsing shows that they fell at terminal velocity. Which means that there was nothing slowing that debris down as it came down. Now the official story is that these floors pancaked. Which is a phenomenon that has never been seen in any other building. But basically the idea is that one floor falls down onto the floor below it. Which causes it to fall down onto the floor below it. And then all the floors fall down in a sort of cascade like that. It's never happened in any other building because of course... Any floor is designed to take the weight of all the floors above it. That's like how buildings work, because otherwise they'd all collapse. Um, and specifically, if there was this happening, if the debris fell, hit other debris, and then they all fell together, it would not be falling at terminal velocity. And, of course, there's the mystery of Tower 7, which not only held all the financial records of these insider trading, trading and stuff like that, but was not even hit by a plane. Supposedly it was hit by a piece of debris, which then set a bunch of stuff on fire. So like office stuff, like paper and couches, which then caused one support structure to fail, which then caused pancaking there as well. Of course, again, that's not how buildings collapse. But second of all, um, one support structure failing in a building like that is not enough to send the whole thing collapsing. So what does this imply? Can I get a guess from the class? It was an inside job? <laughs> Quite literally, yes. This implies internal detonations. Like, it cool. planted I explosives. Mean, you know, if jet fuel can't melt steel beams, I don't think burning your tax returns will. So. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. Like, first of all, yeah, jet fuel literally cannot melt steel beams. Um, <laughs> I know it's a meme to say it, and I know 9-11 was an... In There's no specific evidence to say that the U.S. government knew about it or planned it. But there's a lot of evidence to say they lied about what happened. But um, 
there's also evidence like there's a report from a janitor who saw a bunch of like boilers and machinery blown up before the planes hit there's photo evidence that shows the lobby blown up uh sort of in in the style of an explosive after the plane hit at the top but before all the buildings collapsed um so yeah at the very least all of these people uh let's see who was in this yeah dick cheney the bushes condoleezza rice all lied about what happened at 9-11 someone else who didn't necessarily lie about what happened at 9-11 maybe they did but who definitely knew it was coming of course was israel so there were as it was happening uh five israeli quote-unquote art students who were seen filming the attack from a parking lot and celebrating uh because of this they were arrested taken in for questioning um and then without any further ado deported back to israel so the forward which is a jewish socialist investigative newspaper in new york uh reported that the fbi determined that at least two of these people were operatives of the Mossad, and that there was a large sort of influx of Mossad agents uh, amid all these Israeli quote-unquote art students coming to the United States. Um, so we've been talking about Israel a lot, but I think it's important to know that, like, these weird completist elites of the West are this sort of strange mix, which I think is really funny, between, like, Zionists and Nazis, like, actual Nazis, and the really? people in the ring. Sorry? Really? That's fucked up. Yeah, like, the people who first came up with the idea for the EU were, like, actual Nazis. Um, yeah, it's lovely. Um, kind of forgot first, about it. Yeah. Uh, some of the first, uh, like, leader of, one of the, some of the first leaders of NATO were, like, former Nazis, stuff like that. And, and so, yeah, a lot of these elites are, like, either Nazis or descended from them, such as, uh, Krista Freeland. I think we've talked about that on here. Um, her grandfather was a, a Nazi collaborator who published the largest Nazi newspaper in Poland, and she was very close friends with him uh, until his death and helped him a lot when he came to Canada. Um, just a fun fact there, which, you know, puts the West funding neo-Nazi groups in the Ukraine and Canada light. But... Uh, in this specific story, it's sort of focusing on Israel, so I didn't do a lot of research but I just want you to know that this isn't all about Zionists. Like, a lot of the people who secretly and consciously control the world are also Nazis. Um, but I think we're going to move on to our third character. And she's one of the only characters who's still around. Um, at, at the time of recording. She's still alive. As far as at, we know. At the time of recording, as far as we know. Ghislaine Maxwell is still alive. Yeah. Um... I'm sure you guys know who Ghislaine Maxwell is. She was Epstein's recruiter. Uh, she managed his child sex trafficking ring, etc. But it's less her we're interested in and more her father. Her father, Robert Maxwell, very, very wealthy guy, uh, did one of the worst crimes possible and tried to get the Soviet Union to sell the rights to Tetris uh, to, to Nintendo. She seems like she's like the Carla Homolka to Jeffrey Epstein's uh, Paul Bernardo, if you can. Especially out. right down to the whole like, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. 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 Well, and and the thing is, is that she's almost like, like, he sexually assaulted the kids. She trafficked them. Like she's almost worse than he is. Because she like ran the rings and stuff like that. 
Right. She let it happen. Yeah. Yeah. She made it happen. She didn't just let it happen. She... Man. Right. Yeah. Like, obviously, he was the one who brought up the idea, but, like, she was very happily and confidently. Yeah. Went beyond going with it anyway. Truly sickening human being, and also one of the only people of this type of uh uh just disgusting behavior who i will say i really hope she lives a long life yeah no i was about to say last time we were talking i was on the pod talking about her you guys were saying big prayers for jelaine maxwell hope <laughs> she makes it through yeah i mean yeah, yeah i think she just got arrested last time so she has yeah. she has pulled through as far as we're aware although I mean, apparently I they're treating that... her like terribly in prison like they're um, waking her up every, like, they're checking in and waking her up every 15 minutes to prevent her from, quote-unquote, committing suicide. You know, you know what really makes your mental health even better? A lot of getting sleep. a good night's sleep. Yeah. Deprivation. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, no, you're right. So I can, I can see their point. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, so, shortly before, um, so her dad dies in mysterious circumstances. I'll get back to that in a second. But he was essentially, he was Czech, uh, was in the French resistance during World War II, made a lot of money, um, media mogul. And he dies eventually suspiciously. And, and But before, shortly before he dies, a former employee of, of the MID, which is Israel's military intelligence, so not the Mossad, but um, I guess sort of akin to like, I don't know, I don't really know what it would be akin to, but, like, yeah, military intelligence. Uh, this guy, Ari ben Menash, uh, approaches a number of news organizations in Britain and America with the allegation that, um, Maxwell himself, and also the Daily Mirror's, for, which is a British newspaper's foreign editor, Nicholas Davies, were both longtime Mossad agents. Um, in 1996, uh, ben Menashe also claims that, um, yeah, in 90, 1986, Maxwell informs the Israeli embassy in London that Mordecai Vanunu, this other wealthy guy, revealed information about Israel's nuclear capacity to the Sunday Times and then to the Daily Mirror. Uh, Vanunu was subsequently kidnapped by the Mossad, this is true, and smuggled to Israel, convicted of treason, and in prison for 18 years. Um, which is really fucked up. Uh, I guess it sort of gets around extradition treaties, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. I'll just put him in a box. It'll be like Madagascar, you know. Can you imagine, <laughs> actually, like, Madagascar, just all these people who have somehow offended the Israeli state? Honestly, the giraffe again, Madagascar again, was in the pod. Who's, who's, exactly. screen, whose screenplay is this? Malcolm, you might want to take this one. You can write... This can be your screenplay, because... It's a good one-act play. Oh. And it's also, like, usually plays have to take place in, like, the same room for most of exactly. it. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's a good one-act play. And you don't even yeah. have to do much body acting because you're all in the same place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sit that on the is... floor. One of my favorite plays is just three people sitting around a hole in the middle of the stage. Is that code? Ah, the old three people in a hole. Well, it's not in a hole. It's around a hole. It's called Copenhagen. It's really good. Well, um, it usually is around a hole. This is true. It's actually also about nuclear weapons. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, um, his story is ignored at first, but eventually the New Yorker, uh, this journalist, Samuel Hirsch from the New Yorker, repeats some of his allegations during a press conference in London uh, held to um, publicize his book called The Samson Option. 
by the way, the Sabson option is Israeli nuclear doctrine, which is basically if Israel is ever on the verge of either A, being conquered, or B, collapsing, they will destroy themselves and the entire Middle East in nuclear hellfire. Which is just lovely. Yeah, that's fun. It's just, it's just how you do it, you know what? Like, it's like something that a regular old country would, would do. Yeah. Totally normal. But of country, course, totally but of course, normal. they have this option if they had nuclear weapons. Which they, which which they, they don't. don't. Which, officially speaking, they don't. Yeah. But, you know, hypothetically, if they had nuclear weapons... Yeah, hypothetically, they if would... they had nuclear weapons, they hypothetically would give them to apartheid South Africa. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Um... So yeah, they um, his book uh, is about Israel's nuclear weapons, alleged nuclear weapons, I guess. And on the 21st of October 1991, uh, Labour MP George Galloway, cool dude, and Conservative MP Rupert Allison, who's also uh, an espionage expert, uh, agreed to raise the issue uh, in the House of Commons uh, under parliamentary privilege protection, which basically in turn lets British newspapers report these events without fear of libel suits. That's critical. Um, so Maxwell calls these claims ludicrous and a total invention. He sacks Davies. Um, and uh, Galloway, George Galloway, refers to Maxwell as one of the worst criminals of the century. Shortly after this, Maxwell goes out in the English Channel on his yacht, called Lady Ghislaine, I think. Um, and at some point in the night, he supposedly, get this, falls off of his boat while peeing in the nude. Okay, well, I mean, if there's any way to go, let me tell you, that's that's the way to go. Just guys being just out on your like that is the ultimate that is the ultimate boomer way to go. You are out on you're out on you're out in the water in your own boat. You're peeing. You're completely nude because no one else can see what you're doing that isn't on the boat. And you just and then some IDF agent hits you in the back of the head and pushes you over. Yeah. Because, like, there are actually people... I was reading a story um, about some guy who actually... He fell off his boat in the English Channel uh, and floated for, like, a day and a half and then survived. Which kind of owns. That 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 sounds fun. I mean, I, I think that... I can write that screenplay about the dude's just internal monologue while he's just floating around in the English Channel. Yeah. Treading water. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you it's know. salt water, I guess. So it's easier to float. Um and it's a channel, so it's calmer, calmer water. Anyways, so um, he dies. Obviously, his body is recovered, um, and so it, he had a heart. Apparently, he had a heart attack rather than drowning, and he has various injuries on his upper body. Which Declan, I think, when I read this, I immediately thought, "Hey, yeah. that's just like the autopsy of <laughs> the Jane autopsy Doe. of Jane Doe." Yeah. So, so the, the last holiday episode that we did, go back and listen to that. It owns. Um. So, uh. It's widely accepted that he's a Mossad, that he was a Mossad agent and he was killed before his cover could be completely blown, especially because he had ties to uh, U.S. intelligence and Soviet intelligence. This guy went out at the best time possible, one month before the USSR collapsed. Like, he got, yeah. like, the full breadth of the USSR and, and never had to so six serving and former heads of Israeli intelligence were at his funeral in Israel, <laughs> where the prime minister at the time, uh, Yitzhak Shamir, eulogized him and stated... Quote, he has done more for Israel than can today be told. Hmm. That's hilarious. Hmm. Love that. I love that. Yeah. He, yeah. That's just like, of course, 
you know, he has done more for Israel. It's just like a little nice little platitude until you tie in the Mossad connection and you're like, oh, okay. So he, he was a Mossad agent and he's literally saying, we cannot at this moment talk about that, the work he did for Israel. Mm -hmm. um, and all the, the, the Mossad directors, they were like, mm, I know it. Yeah, Probably so there, yeah, it was, it was a joke to the, the few people that would get it. Yeah. Um, and so I guess we can circle back at this point to the Epstein-Wexner connection. So at one point, Epstein donates uh, $336,000 to the Wexner Institute and hundreds of thousands to Mega. Now, $336 is a number in... It sort of has to do with the occult. So has to do with the ratios of an impossible triangle, um, Bahamut, it's the angel number of love. It, there's and a lot of... parodied by Poppy. Yeah, so there's a lot of you know, meaning behind the number 336. Yeah. And in the Al-Aziz translation of the Necronomicon, the 336th paragraph has to do with Moloch. Now, Moloch is an ancient Canaanite occult god who demanded specifically the sacrifice of children. Not just anybody, but children. Children. And it translates directly to king. And in fact, many ancient kings worshipped Moloch and demanded child sacrifices in order to appease him. Now, who do we know, and we've been talking about for the past hour and six minutes, who do we know that traffics in children? Jeffrey Epstein. Of course. And, again, as mentioned before, Epstein had many friends in many high places in, in the Democratic Party, like the Clintons, in the Republican Party, like Trump, and other just regular bipartisan billionaires, you know, you, your everyday billionaires, such as Mike Bloomberg. Now, Obama, in a move spearheaded by Clinton, toppled the Libyan government in 2011, and supported warlords who then happened to open slave markets. And this child. is actually still going on today in Libya. Yes, There's still a slave trade market. in Libya. Child slave markets. So and where, is, where, is where is Canaan? Modern day Israel. It's the promised land. This is why U.S. policy has been propping up Israel for so long. Not because of oil, not because of power, not because they could, not because it's a stronghold for their interests. Okay, maybe partly. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but that's where Moloch is. So they traffic the children, bring them to Moloch, and that's where they get the adrenochrome. Right, so this is really important. Because this, this is why the president, President Trump, and the president-elect Biden are actual pedophiles, right? This is why Clinton, a pedophile, ran against Trump, a pedophile, to take over from Obama and his vice president, Biden, a pedophile, right? This is why the man running President Trump, Rudy Giuliani, is a pedophile and also an ancestral Mary's cousin. This is why the symbol of Wall Street is a literal golden cow, right? The symbol of Canaanite heresy to God, okay? This is why Israel uh, will destroy the entire Middle East and itself in nuclear hellfire in the rank of being conquered and its secrets discovered. This is why occultism is returning and being encouraged by the media elite. This is the reason for it all. This, is also, this is also Mark Hamill recently tweeted about loving Jenny's Splendid Ice. So that's obviously where he got his force powers from. Well, um, I, I in think order I don't, to play the role well, of Luke okay. Skywalker. Maybe I mean Mark Hamill does not have force powers, but I think maybe you know the Star Wars itself was a huge metaphor. Like the Metaclorians is actually adrenochrome. <laughs> adrenochrome. Guys, I have to be honest. This is making me so hungry for ice cream. That's what they want you to have. That's they they want, want you to be hungry for ice cream. They yeah. want you. I'm gonna because, probably after this go because, downstairs and have some unspecified non-branded uh, cookie ice cream 
I'm straight up going to brand it. I'm going to go downstairs, have me like a pack of parlor ice cream sandwiches, clean that, clean it out. Because those if, things are delicious. this unspecified cookie company wants to pay me to mention their name, then uh, we'll see what happens ah. So, why is this ice cream so expensive? We're circling back here to Jenny's Splendid Ice. Why is it so expensive? Only the wealthy could afford it for any long period of time. It's it's $25 for a pint of ice cream. That's like two bowls. Is it possible $25? that when they sacrifice the children and take their adrenochrome in order to keep the the ruling class young, they're putting it in the ice cream? Is this it is possible that as well as feeding children to Bullock, they harvest their remnants and put them in the ice cream to lengthen their lifespans? And is this why the Democratic Party's leadership is so old? Pelosi, Biden, Schumer, even Mitch, even look across the aisle, Mitch McConnell, Rudy Giuliani. You know what they all do all day? They walk around looking like shit. But you know what they're not? They're not dead. They're not dead because of Jenny's splendid ice. Even Trump. Listen, look, look, Trump has been eating burgers for the past 50 years. He almost, he got COVID, serious COVID. He survived. Everything that's supposed to kill him makes him stronger, okay? And it's also notable that in the news recently, right, that this Israeli guy who used to be in charge of the IDF space division says that the United States and Israel have been in charge, have, uh, you know, been in contact with a, a galactic federation that they've been hiding from us. Why, right? Like, what is the greatest gift an advanced alien civilization can give to humanity? Ice cream. No. Ice cream or knowledge, right? Uh. It is possible. It is completely possible that the American and Israeli elite are lying to the aliens. Just as they're lying to us, the aliens don't tell us that the Elder Gods are real. And it goes even further than that, okay? It does. It goes even further than that because Elon Musk is the spearhead of space colonization. I'm clapping my hands because I'm so fed up that nobody realizes this stuff. His brother, Kimball Musk, was gifted, an, in fairness, of age, ex-girlfriend of Epstein's, after Epstein's first conviction, in return for tours of SpaceX facilities and private aspect access to Elon Musk. And this is who is leading our colonization initiative, right? So not only is our information and our civilization being controlled by the elites to control the present, but they're also road mapping the future, like Mass Effects, right? Like this Mass Effect type of shit, to hide the galactic ecosystem from us and to hide this galactic federation from us and to hide us from the galactic federation so that we don't find about this plot. Right? There is a cult to Malak among the rich and powerful, and the Democrats have just inadvertently revealed it by eating too much ice cream. Basically, I'm, the, I'm too smart for them. You like, that's, that that's the moral of the story. We've blown it wide open, folks. We've blown it wide No, I've blown it wide open. Okay? Like, Declan, you get credit for posting. You get credit for laughing about this stuff and sending me, hey, haha, look at this funny stuff, right? Nancy Pelosi's $12,000 fridge. Because you, your value. To this, to this, this outfit is the fact that you are the funniest man in the world. Sorry, you're an Italian. You don't count because you're not. Here. I think, I think if they gave no, me some cool. of this ice cream, I, I think if George Soros could actually fund me some of this ice cream, I would be able to do posts better. Um, well, so that's I, the funny thing. I might, I might petition him for. In here. I might petition like, him for a little bit of extra money. Yeah, I think the the interesting thing that I I, I think that three people who never show up. George Soros, Vladimir Putin, and Xi Jinping. Because they're funding us. They're the resistance. They are the they counterculture. Are the they will lead the vanguard. 
Mr. President, welcome to the resistance. And by the way, I don't mean you, Trump. I mean President Xi. Glory to the People's Republic <laughs> of China. Crimea is Russian. Ukraine isn't a real place. Okay, I'm gonna stop before I get in trouble. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I think it's you know this is something that you all should know about. We hope because... that you've enjoyed us blowing this conspiracy wide open, and we hope that you approach your day-to-day -day lives and maybe your ice cream choices a little bit differently from here on in. And stay away from rich people. Yeah. If a rich person, I mean like a billionaire, ever comes too close to you, you know what to do. Um, and is there anything else? Anyone? I have Sorry? a closing statement. And... Yeah, I was going to ask if you guys have anything to plug. Hello. Sam. Cat. Oh, Tasha's my got a cat, cat has been outside my door pawing at it for the past 10 minutes. So that's what she has to say. Perfect. Do you have? Do you guys have anything to plug? Uh, well, you got my Twitter, at the underscore Paisano, I think is what it is. It is, uh, yeah. Follow me on there. It's it's terribly unfunny, but I'd like to have more people watching me. I would like okay. to plug, um, please go to therapy if you can. <laughs> Sorry, we're in the we're in the business of denormalizing therapy for men. Yeah, we're gonna have, we're gonna have to cut if that one. Yeah, you go to therapy if you're a woman. I know. I thought you said you didn't like if white women. If you're a woman, you take therapy. tranquilizers. If you're a man, you take barbiturates. Yeah, Those exactly. No, sorry, thing. I love white women. If you're a woman, you go to therapy. If you're a man, you start a podcast. You yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And on that note, this has been your Juno. I've been Declan. I've been Malcolm. I've, I've been, been Sawyer. Tasha. Okay. That Stay was woke, guys. And we will see you next week. Bye bye.